You know, every um, Wednesday night we meet by Zoom for a prayer meeting. Of late, I haven't been quite as faithful as I'd like to be, but we pray for um, this meeting every every Wednesday night. And this this past um, Wednesday, we had uh, we pray for lots of things. We particularly pray for that and uh, and all the other things that our church members are involved in. Um, this particular weekend, we had both the thing for Brandon. We had what we're doing today, and we had a worship service at Pat and Greg's house, and um, so it wasn't all of all of our church, but it was people that we're related to over a long period of time. And just before we start, um, keep delaying the message here, but just before we start, um, would would anybody that went to that like to give a report? I'm always interested in how how those meetings go, especially ones that are focused on worship. Was anybody, Pat? I, I guess I'll have to because nobody here was there. Okay, all right. Carl, Carla was there, but it was mostly... Sun Young and Esther. Oh, that's right, Sun Young was there. Yeah, Sun Young and Esther both. Well, Sun Young can share. <laughs> how, was, how was last night for you? Yeah, it it was, it, it was wonderful time mm-hmm. of healing by my heart, by by song. Yeah, mm-hmm. wonderful experience. Yeah. If you couldn't hear uh, saying, he said it was a wonderful time for healing of his heart. Mm-hmm. You know, and then today we just sang that he's the healer of our soul. That phrase meant a lot to me. Uh, you know, we've had testimony of that happening uh, for people and. Just to encourage you, Martha, I've realized it's better to get older than not at all. You know? So rejoice in that as well. So, Another day to praise the Lord. Another day to praise the Lord and give Him thanks. So, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are thankful. You've given us life. You've given us freedom. Lord, you've given us so much. Things that we don't even realize you've given us, Father. That's how generous you are. Um, the gift of your spirit. The patience of your spirit. And Lord, we just, we just want to turn our, our eyes and our hearts yet again to you. To, to learn from you, Father. To, to know what pleases you and what displeases you. And Lord, to, to continue to re-giving of our hearts over and over every day to you. And so, uh, speak to us this morning, Lord. And we just look to you for life and encouragement uh, Lord, and continued grace that you give in Jesus name. Amen. Um, this is the third message that I have uh, wanted to give about uh, the goal of our instruction is love. Not, not how to love but love with a pure heart, um, a clear conscience and a sincere or genuine faith. Um, th- this is um, this is what gets us into the image of God. You know, I think we all know how to to do acts of love, but to love with these three motives uh, being the the pure motives we're doing it. At least for me, has been a challenge. Um, and we're looking at a passage that's 
a little bit difficult today, so bear with me because I really hope we can end on a high note today. <laughs> so we're going to be looking at the Acts chapter 5 uh, and some in chapter 4 if you want to turn there or if you would just uh, listen to me read it and then you can turn. But um, it's a familiar passage that we don't like to read very often, but we're, <laughs> we're going to read it today and see what the Lord has to, to show us and to teach us. It begins like this in verse 1 of chapter 5. But a, name, but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself. With the wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And to keep back some of the price of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? <clears throat> Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? That you have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came over all who heard it. The young men got up and covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. That's it. The story continues. We know that uh, sometime later, about three hours later, his wife comes in, and uh, she gets queried with the same questions. Um, Everybody's got this look on their face by now of like, oh my goodness, I hope she answers right. Mm -hmm. But she did not. She agreed with her husband, and she died. And they carried her out as well. So, um, what can we learn from this besides just being afraid? Be careful when you ask for a New Testament church. <laughs> yes, which we are. <laughs> so, some background. Okay, let's just look at the background and some verses before that. Um, so, th this is a newly forming church under a new covenant. And they were called, as we are today, to be holy, even as God is holy. Each one's given the very presence of the Holy Spirit to walk in that strength in that way in that kind of grace. If you look back at chapter 4, verse 31, this is, a, this is the state of the union of the church at this particular time. And when they prayed, uh, Peter and John had just been released. They'd been threatened by the Pharisees. Uh, and they said, look, we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to talk about the things Jesus told us about, no matter what you do. And so they let them go, and the church at this time prayed, and the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were some filled, all filled, with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the Word of God with boldness. 
not, not in any kind of apologetic way. They spoke the word of God with boldness. They were no longer under the law, but they were empowered to live out this new law of love. So Jesus had earlier summarized the law and the prophets with two commandments. Does anybody remember what they were? Anybody like to take a shot at that? Wow. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. Love the Lord your God with some of your heart, all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, for us sitting here as disciples, Jesus, what did Jesus, he kind of amped it up a little bit, you know. He said, I want you to love each other as I have loved you. So that's where the church was. Now we continue to read in verse 32, and it goes on and says this. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And abundant, abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would be distributed to each as they had need. Now Joseph, a Levite from Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostle, which translated means son of encouragement, who, who also owned a tract of land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, if you remove the chapter separation, because there weren't separations in the original text, the next word, at least in the in New American Standard, is but. So, here is where the church was, and then it's giving a contrast of where Ananias and Sapphira were. Um, making a comparison here. So there are a lot of points that we could talk about on, in this, but I'm going to only talk about two today. Why such a severe judgment and the statement that Peter asked, why have you conceived this deed in your heart? So why was there such a severe judgment? You know, God hadn't changed from the earlier time of, of cho even choosing, like Bill was saying earlier, choosing us from the foundations of the world, but particularly when he chose his people and fleshed that out with them. Um, so he's called us to be holy, to be set apart for him and away from the world. Um, so until John the Baptist and Jesus, not much had been heard from on high for 400 plus years. And so then they come on the scene, and where are we now? There's a whole new way of living. 
that's introduced by Jesus. This way of faith and this way of love uh, is, is what he's calling his people to. But God is still God in the New Testament. And so I think if you look at his action to teach his people that he was holy in the Old Testament, we, we, we know what about the, the Mount Sinai. Don't come close, don't get on it, don't even let the animals be in front of it, lest you be consumed. God states this to, to Moses later on. He says, The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious. And that He is. But He is also holy. And so, when He starts to set Israel aside to be a demonstration to teach the rest of the world who He is and how to live, this was one of the first things that he was trying to get across. Um, he wanted to make it clear that he was not only compassionate and gracious, but he was also holy. Um, the people were not su supposed to approach the, the mountain. Um, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, you don't play. You don't play with the incense when it's holy incense for God. Um, you think of as they continue to walk with God, um, Achan, you don't bring things into the holy promised land that God said don't bring in there. And they were stoned. His whole family was stoned because he disobeyed. So, there was a new beginning with a, with a new people called the church under a new law and a new covenant. And God needed to show them the same thing. I'm not changed. I'm still holy. Just like I've always been. So, unfortunately, these two were the two that were, the example was made of. And they both died. Because they lied, to, they lied to God and they lied to the Holy Spirit. The other point that I want to make is this. <laughs> God doesn't like hypocrisy. He just doesn't. This is what identifies us with the, the world. This is what doesn't set us apart at all from the world. Um, you know, the, the scriptures say great fear came on the church. Well, why, did, why in the world did great fear come on the church? Well, I, I conjecture two reasons. Oh my gosh, God has given us such a discernment in this abundant favor that he's given the church. He's given this, this level of discernment to um, the apostle that they know our t intentions they know our thoughts. They know our motives. If Peter had not said this, nobody would have known any different except Ananias and Sapphira. And they would have kind of got away with it. But <laughs> he said, hey, I know 
I know you have lied to God. And so, the other reason um, that great fear came on the church is everybody's thinking, oh, he could know my he could know my thoughts and motives, you know. And there have been times I know that I've tried to promote myself as being more spiritual than I am. That's what they did, is they tried to show that they were more generous than they were, which was an affront to God. And so not only did they begin to fear God and people like Peter, it's like, hey, I've, I've been guilty. I'm guilty of acting more spiritual than I am, you know? And I'm like, yeah, you know what? And the church still is today. <laughs> we, we are. I, every commentary I wrote, wrote, read about this is, we're all guilty. We're all guilty. Um, I'm going to read just a list of things that uh, a guy by the name of Paul Apple put these together, but it's a summary about Jesus' teaching on hypocrisy. So it's not just when you, you've got money and you pretend that you... It's not just about giving. So listen to these. Some of them you'll recognize where they come from, and if you don't, I, I have scripture references for all of these, but I'm just going to go through them rather quickly here. Jesus' summary of teaching on hypocrisy. Giving to the poor to be recognized by others. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to do that? Not let our left hand know what our right hand's doing. Praying in public to be recognized as God's man. Letting everybody know you're fasting, which is kind of almost extinct anyway, it seems like. Oh, I went through one meal. I can't wait to get to dinner, you know. But when you let people know, I didn't have lunch today because I was fr praying for an hour. That's, well, you did it once in what, your 20 years of being a Christian? Complaining about another's behavior when yours is even worse. Get the log out of our own eye before we get the speck out of another. Pretending to honor God through lip service only. Testing other people to try to make yourself look superior. Deceiving people from knowing God. Repressing the poor and the widows. Giving to the church, but neglecting justice and mercy. Doing everything for show while being self-indulgent and unrighteous. Those were the Pharisees. Training stock animals better, treating stock animals better than fellow human beings. Let's save the whales and everything else. Well, kill them. We're not very pro-life as a as a as a nation, but as a people, just one of the things that Lisa mentioned. You know, are you more concerned about your dog than you are the people that are close by that are dying? So he also lists late six lessons we learn about spiritual hypocrisy. It's energized by Satan. 
It's a matter of the heart. It never fools God, even if it's not brought to the surface. It's always connected with other sins. In this case that we're looking at this scripture here, it's greed, covetousness, envy. We want to we we act like we're like these people of the New Testament church, but there's something hidden for us all, you know. Um, it's intentional. It's a serious offense. John Calvin said this, God cannot stand unfaithfulness and pretending to be holy is contemptible mockery. And yet, we all sometimes or sometimes in big ways may exaggerate our spirituality. But we're still children of God. See, I'm telling you, it's not all heavy. We have, we're children of God. And we're going to be celebrating the fact that we can remind ourselves of what He's done. You know, is there any encouragement today? Yes. We're children of God. I read another scripture to encourage you, okay? Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren. Isn't that encouraging to hear after that first part? You practice that. But we urge you, brethren, what? Excel still more. It's always, God's always calling us upward. Don't get tired of that. You know? You do the same thing with your children. You do the same thing with your children. You want the best for them and you want to call them to a higher and higher place. Father God is the same way. Excel still more. You're doing great. But there's more. And there, there will be more until the day you're not older. I can remember um, Tia's mother. I mean, this was in like the last month of her life. She was really struggling with stuff and, you know, a little bit of dementia, really pain and a lot of pain. And she said something and, and, and Tia said, Said, said something back to her and she, she looked at both of us and said, you know, God is still dealing with me about pride. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was in the last month of her life. Mm-hmm. Come higher, Ramona. <laughs> you just recognize these things. It's the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> it's that conviction of the Holy Spirit just mm-hmm. calling you. Mm-hmm. Helping you recognize, I still need Jesus desperately a month before she was to pass away. Uh, and that's where we all need to walk in that kind of place. We've not arrived. We've not even come close to arriving. Even, even Paul says, I strain for the upward call. There's always an upward call. Our goal is Jesus Christ. Not to look good in front of each other. You know... Um, it's just part of the process of sanctification. You know, as a mom and a dad, you just, you have to be relentless about training up your children. 
and so is the Holy Spirit about sanctifying us. He's, you know, it, 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 it's not that he's a taskmaster at all. It's just he he wants the very best for us as we as we continue to walk with him, as we continue to pronounce that we're believers, as we continue to have a world that's watching us um, with very critical eyes, really. I mean, you, you know how it is, whether it's you as an individual or us as a church or the church as a whole. It's part of the reason we've lost the influence. It's like Lisa was saying, is we need to step in the world but be of it. And it's not an easy thing to do, but that's what we're called to do. That the watching world can see, hey, you know what? Those people are really different. Have you ever seen them together, how they love and care for one another? That's what we're called to do, you know? Jesus has defeated sin and death. Praise God. But we still struggle with it. We still struggle with it. And hypocrisy is one of many, many ways, you know. Um, so I, I just really want to encourage us because I'm not saying we're hypocrites. I'm saying we can be hypocritical in some acts, thoughts, and act, actions. Um, and God doesn't take it lightly, but yet he gives this grace for us because he's, he's calling us higher and higher. Um, I, I, I don't know how to encourage us anymore. I, this is not an easy subject to talk about. Warren Worsby makes this particular. He says, if we are lying to the Spirit, as in Acts 5, grieving the Spirit, as in Ephesians 4.20, or quenching the Spirit, as in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, the Spirit will not assist us. But if we're walking in the Spirit... He will not fail us. Isn't that not encouraging? Don't you want to know when you're not? So he will assist you. He does. So what are we to do in, these, in this situation? Well, there are two things that are going on. First of all, the enemy is just watching and waiting for a time to, to condemn you. So that's one thing that's happening. What are we supposed to do about that? Well, in the grace of God, he's given us a breastplate. And what is that breastplate? Righteousness. Righteousness. Jesus is righteousness. Absolutely. And I think that's where we sometimes forget whose righteousness it is because we got the, we got the breastplate on by faith, but... We know what's right behind it sometimes. <laughs> you know. And when we start trying to defend ourselves against the enemy on the basis of who we are without the breastplate of Jesus' righteousness, we you you and I will not stand. We will not stand in that place. We have to take the breastplate of righteousness by faith because the, the, it's the, the evidence of things hoped for behind it ourselves cannot stand on that. We have to stand on that breastplate. Um, and so then, then there's the other thing that's happening, hopefully at the same time for us. Um, the Holy Spirit's convicting us. 
And that's a good thing. That's a good thing because when we, re- when we will respond to that, uh, when we will <coughs> confess that sin, in this case I'm talking about hypocrisy, um, and, and repent, what is the promise? What does he promise? He'll be faithful to do what? Forgive. And just. That's the amazing thing. It's the right thing for him to do because he sees Jesus' righteousness. Now, a lot of times it's easy to just get presumptuous about it. Well, okay, you know, did it again. But he's calling us higher um, all the while. And I just want... I just felt like today, you know, some of these things are are heavy topics, and they're true, and they're, <laughs> maybe I'm talking about me, maybe they're just active in my life, maybe you guys have not been hypocritical, but it seems like the, the longer you walk with God, the finer the comb gets, that, yes. <laughs> that he comes through your life, you know, it's like, um, um, <clears throat> What is it when you do that with like the, the hair and it's, I can't think of the name. Teasing. Not teasing. <laughs> Nats or those nits or whatever. You've got to have a fine tooth comb to get rid of that. And so um, that's, that's the love of God, you know. He's bringing us more and more into his image. So be encouraged about the Lord's conviction because he loves us and he wants to more and more to reflect not 80% of who he is, but 100% of what he's like. And, 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 he, and that's what he does for us. And so, you know, I, I just thought as, as, as a, we were going to be having the Lord's Supper today, how, how much coming to it is both, there's this great gratitude and thankfulness, which so many of us have expressed about things, but the thankfulness that it wasn't, Jesus' will, but it was his Father's will. He showed us what obedience really was there, you know. Um, and he, he did what had to be done to be sacrifice himself and take on something that we're so familiar with, we can't imagine it being all that hard to take on something. But if you've never, ever been anything but pure, what it must be like to have sin touch you. Much less, here, why don't you take on a couple of people? How about the whole world? Just take it all. It humbles me to think about what he did. And to be separated from somebody you've never been separated from. You know, we, you know, we're one with our wives and, and at the same time, it's, it's a one, oneness that's so far removed from what the Trinity had. He gave that up as well. I mean, our minds just can't comprehend the depth that he went. I mean, he took on a human body. To, for starters, he walked among sinful people for 30-some years. Um, it's good to dwell on the cross. It's good to dwell on those things because it makes us so grateful. 
and marvel at the love. Why, did, why, why can't he love us? You look at the cross and you marvel at what he's done to restore the fellowship that God's heart has desired because why? Because you deserved it? I deserved it? No. He just made a choice. I want you. I want you. I choose you. It's a great place to stay in your mind and your heart. Can't stay there too long because he can't comprehend it. But we're going to remember what he did by taking this together today. And so, um, Steve, would you just come and pray over the elements? Set them apart as being more than just a piece of bread and a wine and to what they represent. Thank you. Lord, you send to us all kinds of symbols and all kinds of stories to get to truth in our hearts and our minds, to give us the experience here on earth of what it means to be with you in heaven. And you gave your body and you gave your blood for us that we might be made into your image. And we want to thank you from the heart out Mm -hmm. and notice what it is that you've done for us and continue to grow in that and to lay down what it means to just live our own lives for ourselves mm -hmm. and give our lives to you. Mm -hmm. So we ask you to make these symbols real in our hearts. Uh, like a baby who is soothed by their mother and then later on they hold on to something to be soothed when they need to be soothed as an adult that you've brought us through all the places that we need to be to know your presence. And we ask that this time in communion, we will see you and fill you in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, sometimes we come and we take communion together as a church. And sometimes we just need to be before the Lord for what he's done for each one of us. Speaking of my mother-in-law, Ramona, she, she, had, um, she had communion every morning. She's the only one that lived in that little trailer of hers. Every morning she'd get up, she'd have communion with God, with the Lord. So that's what I want you to do this morning. You take your time coming up here, you pick up the elements, and you can sit and you can remember him and remember what he's done for you. So that's what we're going to do in this particular time. All right, so come as you will.
page uh, 19. <clears throat> Jesus had never been separated from his Father for his love, for his plan, or purposes. Preston, you said that he bore our sins and he became sin. Okay, that, that means he took all of your anxiousness. I was thinking about it. God, you, you took all of Kay's anxiousness. And I thought, oh God, you took all my pride. And you took all my anger. And then as you were talking to Preston, I was thinking, and he took all of every one of your sins. He, he bore the wrath of God for that and cleansed our hearts from it. But he did that for all the chosen. And my heart just was fulfilled. It was just flooded over. Julie reminded me of what God had done in her life and is still doing in our lives today. Every, every bitter, every aspect of bitterness or despair or anger or lust or greed, whatever it is that besets you, he took that. He bore the penalty for that. And like Ramona said, it's not over till it's over. You know, the song we're going to sing is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. I don't know whether you know the story behind this song, but um, this young man, uh, Robert Robinson, of the verses that we sing, he wrote three of them, and there's one more modern verse stuck in there. But uh, His father died when he was eight. So he had become the breadwinner for the family at eight. So he became an apprentice for a barber, probably sweeping up hair. What does an apprentice for a barber do? At eight years old. And he began to provide for his mom and his little brother. And then when he was 20, he heard George Whitfield preach and wanted to know more. Age 22, he wrote this hymn. Age 22, the words you're going to sing, he wrote when he was 22 years old, having lost his father when he was eight. And he became a pastor and pastored different churches, and one church that he pastored grew to a thousand people. This was in the mid 1700s in England. But then his life began to unravel even more, and he became, he lost his way. And when we sing the last verse, the words of the last verse are prophetic of what happened in this man's life wandering away and it said that he was on a train going someplace and uh, this young woman came up and sat in the same booth as he and to help pass the time she started singing the words of the song and she sang come thou found of every blessing and she looked at the man and said um 
What do you think about the words of the song? The man who wrote it. And he says, um, I am the poor man that wrote those songs, those words. And I wish I knew the presence of God in my life today that I knew back then. Why do I bring this up? Because this work of God never ends until we are with him in glory and there's always something that he wants to do in our lives. So think about this as we sing it. Give the Lord praise. Come thou fount of every blessing to my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by faith Now my soul can sing on.
you just whisper the and name the sins that God has taken from you by Jesus' death on the cross? You just whisper that out. Just bring it home. This is what He's done for us. What did Jesus bear for you? list that follows the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, that next section kind of lists out all the things that Jesus bore for us. Lord, we praise your name. Lord, here's our heart. Bless, Lord, by your grace and your presence here during this time of communion. Lord, bind us to you. Never let us go, Lord God. Never let us wander, Father out of your grasp, away from your presence. No matter what is revealed in our lives, no matter what comes our way, no matter the challenge or the obstacle we faced or we have ever faced or we will face in the future, may your spirit go with us, protecting us, delivering us, empowering us, That we know your forgiveness when, this, when Satan accuses us. That we trust your word when Satan tries to twist it. That we not allow him to steal our joy. To steal our peace. Lord, may this breastplate of righteousness. Of Christ's righteousness. be well suited to our souls and fit for us. Lord Preston reminded us that the goal of this instruction is to excel in love with a pure heart. Lord Jesus. May it be, Lord God.
the world needs to know about the Lord Jesus. Lord, let us not lose sight of the purpose for which you left us here on earth once we were saved. Yes, Lord, we want to walk through trials so that you can prove your faithfulness. Lord, we want to see grace and mercy in action so we can rejoice in the glory of God. But Lord, we also, you've left us here to be a a witness to others about what Jesus has done for us. Let us be a witness of what you have done for me. Each one of us, Lord, our story, our testimony of what you've done for each one of us. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Preston. Being refined is not refreshing. <laughs> but God is gentle. It's just the horror of what you have to look at. But in gentle, he, do, he does it in such a way that he doesn't blow out the flame, right? He doesn't extinguish the smoldering wick of my heart. Yeah. Well, everybody's welcome to stay for lunch if you'd like to fellowship a bit more. Um, Looks like the activity's already begun back there to get that going.